Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and Apple and Spotify and everywhere. But not Google Podcasts. I got an alert that they're going away. Yeah, they're dead. And make sure you read the scoring criteria because uh, you're going to need it for this one. Oh, you really will. We got a lot to talk about. We do have a significant amount to talk about. There's some. There's, sir. Don't don't you undersell this. Let's let's be upfront with our listeners here. I, we have. I'm one. I'm only excited about one thing about this show. Oh, um, the other stuff I don't really. It's not as exciting, but there was a lot going on as far as there's officiating. A lot. It's, this is what we do. Dude. No, I understand, but as far as what's exciting to me, there's one thing. Well. Nothing gets Dan's blood up except for except for the number seven. Yeah, that's the only really exciting thing. But I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Not so much. There's fascinating ex- things that happen. Yes, there's interesting, but they're not exciting. Fair enough. All aggravating, right. aggravating for, for sure. Be excited for three minutes, and that's all you're getting from them. Aggravating, <laughs> more or less. I mean, there's a bunch of things that were aggravating that came out of this, but usually they came out of uh, the microphone of one Dominic Cruz. Well, well, it always does that way. So that's true. That's true. Not a new thing here. But yes, we, we basically have every possible thing judging related that that happened at UFC 297, save for like the most negative of results. Right. I don't think we, we didn't have any like robberies or anything. It's not like that happened. No, no robbery. Nothing like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but other than that, like kind of everything under the sun, we'll we'll be we'll be touching on a whole bunch of things. We're going to try and keep uh, we'll try to breeze through some of the, the topics that we talk about coming off of this but it wasn't you know it was a two title fight pay-per-view event we got a little bit to touch on drinkus duplessis of course getting the the win winning the middleweight championship from sean strickland uh i kind of thought he was going to get the job done people people always ask me hey what do you think and and i was kind of leaning toward him this week i just i thought he was going to finish it because he is a finisher um strickland is obviously pretty durable and then you know that jab makes it hard for him to get truly approached for for a good finish right yeah strickland they they both look good i mean in either way if he kept the belt or if he, he lost the belt i mean you wouldn't have been able to argue a robbery either way so absolutely Close yeah no fight. question I, I, I misspoke this is a robbery no matter who won <laughs> i i'm sorry about that i forgot yeah so there's your robbery guys enjoy it um the question I have for you, and this this is, I mean, it seems like it's almost a no-brainer that it's going to be Drikas Duplessis, Israel Adesanya, probably at UFC 300, realistically. Um, if they can, if as long as Adesanya wants to do it, I imagine he will. Um, two questions. One, who would you pick between Duplessis and Adesanya? Like, right now, in this moment, who do you think would win that fight? Adesanya, easy. Okay. And then the other question who do you pick to win in a hypothetical Drickus Duplessis versus Johnny Eblen? Johnny was talking on Sunday. He's saying, I, I could see ways to beat this guy easily. Johnny Eblen, I would pick. All right, so now we've got our our, our semifinal. Everyone's beating up on Duplessis. Adesanya versus Eblen, why not? Uh, that would be a fun one. I, I'm not sure where I would go. I would probably I don't know slight, slight lean to Izzy just because he's Izzy. I think I would actually go slightly into Eblin, but I don't know. I'm I I hadn't even thought about that when I put this question out yeah. there. Like I was, just, it just happened. So I don't know. I'm not committed to that. And answer. if if Izzy doesn't fight for the title, I'm convinced that it, this is going to be just like in a a revolving door of new champ. Maybe maybe someone gets it back eventually. Very few successful defenses 
So you say it kind of turns into what we've seen from the light heavyweight division since John Jones yeah. left? Yeah. Okay. All right. I can, I can understand that. Um, as far as Strickland, though, do you think he can get back to the top, or do you think maybe what happened was just like a perfect storm for him? Uh, he had a great fight against Adesanya, and, and maybe that might be it. Now, nah, good fighter in a shallow division. I, I could definitely see him get back there. The question would be, though, if he, depending on who he fights next, let's say, I don't know, he's thrown out there next against Hamza Chimaev. Could that, that would totally be... throw off his chances of getting back up? Yeah, if Hamza, you know, he gets back in there and, and starts fighting again, that would be that would be yeah, a guy where not. that would be a guy <laughs> who, if he gets the belt, he may hold on to it for a while. I mean, if they sure. finally give Bo the chance, I mean, he'll be he'll stick around forever as the champ. Um, I finally, but, like, for God's sake, he's been fighting for like almost yeah. seventeen months now. Yeah, I'm, let, let's get the show on the road with that. Um, and the other one, I because I want to keep this kind of breezy because we've got a lot to touch on. Uh, the women's bantamweight title now finally has uh, a holder again after what seven months now? It's been seven months since yeah. Mena Nunes retired, and it sounds like she's already getting ready to come back. Maybe I don't know. She was talking all sorts of mess uh, after the event, but uh, Raquel Pennington now our champion. Was the one who did not get tired, so that helped uh, against Myra Bueno Silva. First two Does rounds any other good. fight for, was that? I liked the first two rounds of this fight. Oh, it was fun for a little while, and then, and then she just got... didn't have any energy anymore. Yeah, that's not Pennington's fault. Like Pennington just did what she was supposed to do. Um, you'd like to be able to see her to get the woman out of there that really truly had no gas, but easier said than done, right? Yeah. Does any other fight make sense for Pennington though beyond Juliana Pena, unless? You know, somehow Amanda Nunes comes back. I mean, I don't know if it made sense for Juliana Pena to not be in this last night. But, Agreed. Uh, I never really got that. So, of course, who, no, who else? Yeah, the, the division really just doesn't have a whole lot of people left. Mm. Um, I guess Holly Holm's still around. Yeah, all right. Technically, she didn't uh, officially lose to Myra Bueno Silva, so <laughs> that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks to it was uh it was Bueno Silva's uh leave her her. ADD medication or something like that. Okay, yeah, silliness. Yeah, she just didn't get like the the proper waiver or whatever. It was it was like more like a clerical thing. Um, so, whatever. So dumb. All right. It is very dumb. Also, fill out your paperwork. Don't be dumb about that either. But you know, it is a little silly. Anyway, it obviously didn't stop her career. The only thing that stopped her career was she got real tired. But uh, that was all I really wanted to touch upon. We don't have to go crazy with. Uh, the actual comings and goings of the the division's biggest stuff on that one. But we did have a couple adventures of officiating uh, happening up in Toronto for UFC 297, my friend. One of which was kind of a weird situation specific to Ontario and its commission, right? We had Mosar Ivloyev, who got the win over Arnold Allen. But in that third round, Allen has a situation where he's, he's got a little bit of control over over the positioning of, of Ivloyev and Ivloyev starts to play the game, right? He starts to put his hand down for becoming a grounded foe, grounded opponent. And, uh, Allen starts delivering some knees that are kind of lifting him up off the mat. Maybe not. Maybe, um, we have Mark Goddard, uh, stops the action, explains, you can't do this. I'm giving you a hard warning for the knees. And there's a lot of, you know, conversation about, Hey, what's the deal with, with this? Like the, these should be, this isn't what you'd typically be saying it for because he's playing the game, right? But then we realized that Ontario's commission has been using an older rule set. And so really, Mark Goddard did it exactly as he was supposed to by the book, right? Uh, yeah, that dumb book. It's a stupid book. It's a really old book. Like, 
It's like it's like the book that my son took out from his school library today, which is from 1997 or the other day. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could have taken this out when I was in school. You you made a good you made a good point, and I liked it a lot. You're like, we're we're allowing defenseless slap fighting. Oh my god! But you can't knee a down opponent. Like, what are we doing now? Yes, exactly. Now that we're at the point that like, and there's really no turning back from slap fighting. It is here to stay. Like, it, it's stupid. It stinks. I'm never going to like or accept it. I'm okay with being stubborn on that. But now that we've gotten here, we have to accept that it is okay to bring in knees like this because they can actually defend themselves. This is okay. This and is... also the 12-6 elbow, please. Oh, like, what, what's what's taking so long to to just figure this out? Like, we can knee know. someone to the head. It is ridiculous. I, I think it's something that needs to be um, discussed now, with especially with the ABC. You know, the ABC at this point is now starting to, come on board slowly to power slap and in and, and this it is totally defenseless there is absolutely no safety there yeah they try they try to, How are we going to say it's too unsafe to do these other things it's it doesn't make any sense it's me. it's not even a slap they're striking them with their with the you know the butt of their palm which is it's a, a palm strike it's true it's it like, really is not a slap. it's not a slap they they put rules in oh no you hit them with the bottom of your palm like there's it's called, possible it's illegal style, right but it's like Every single one lands. It lands so hard with with the bottom, you know, of, of their of their palm. It's it, it's a strike. It's not a slap. Like it's just dumb. That's true. And but okay. so there should be knees. And if there isn't, why is it the hand? Who cares that your hand's touching the ground? It should be your knee. If if you Honestly, if you have really one knee down, knee down, you can't knee him in the head. I think that a better differentiator would just be make it so that if they're on their back, you cannot do it. That works too. That's that's the easiest one because. Then there's no, you, you would have no argument other way. It's like, oh, is he sort of down on his back? It's like, listen, if his back or his butt's on the ground, or hip. he is down. Yeah. End of story. It makes it a lot easier. And the easiest way but is also, just allow don't him Don't do that. Do the thing where we get rid of it entirely. Yeah. Do Just let, let him knee him in the head. Mm-hmm. Be like much- go, go, go all the way. And then if we have to settle for that one, fine. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of it. I think it's stupid. It holds up too many fights. This is a situation, too, that realistically Arnold Allen could have found some ways into changing the the complexion of the fight. He he did end up winning that third round. He lost the first two, but you never know. Maybe he's able to get an advantage there. And it is not referee Mark Goddard's fault. He's enforcing the rule that's there. He and, did everything he was supposed to do because he is an amazing, fantastic ref, right? Yeah, Gold and standard. Maybe we, uh, we have uniform rules where every single place we go to. So the fighters. No, 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 no. Can't do that. Uh-uh. That would be bad. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Oh, my God. That would be, that would just be crazy town. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sick of it. But that it's obviously that was our adventure officiating. It wasn't anything that the referee did wrong. It was more of the adventure in which we went along with. Uh, that was unfortunate. Uh, less unfortunate, but also, you know, unfortunate that it happened. The very, very lasting impression of the Sean Woodson versus Charles Jordan fight. We have a decision. It is a split decision. And as the names are being read, we have Sean Woodson and Charles Jordan. And they sound pretty similar depending on how much noise is in the arena at Scotiabank. Uh, and as it turned out, Bruce Buffer said the right thing. And referee Jaron Vallel mi- must have misheard, of course. Wouldn't have done this on purpose. Uh, and raised the wrong arm. And you see none of them listening anymore. Neither of the fighters has listened anymore. The hand has been raised. The other hasn't. They're just moving on with their lives. And all of a sudden, 
you have DC coming and be like, no, you won. <laughs> Deshaun Woodson. And it was a very weird thing. Uh, Woodson said afterward, like, he basically already, like, you know, oh, that sucks. And he came to terms very quickly. The idea, okay, he lost the fight, close fight. Um, but yeah, he actually won it. Um, unfortunate, right? It's not, it, it's, this isn't a cardinal sin. It's not terrible, but, you know, you hate to see it, right? Yeah. What can you do? Everyone has a Steve Harvey moment. This wasn't even that bad. It it really wasn't that bad. Because, like, you could see how it would happen, too, you know? Yeah, I suppose. It's It's not like it's Sean Woodson and, like, Drickus Duplessis, you know? They have two names that... That would be a little worse. Have that little... I mean, he doesn't really say Charles. It's more like Charles, right? I I guess. It's the French-Canadian kind of pronunciation. I mean, but Bruce doesn't care about that. That's true. That's a good point. He doesn't pronounce anything correctly. (laughs) Almost purposefully, it seems. He has to pronounce one thing correctly, and that's UFC 300 when he announces it. Jim Miller. I'm not sure he's going to get that right. No, he better. Jim forking Miller. (laughs) Anyway, um, that was all we had from that was all the adventure of officiating really wasn't terrible. This was this. It's not like any ref like goofed up anything in a fight or something like that. Everything was handled fine. Just. Just kind of in a silly moment, right? Like yeah. I said, this this event had it all. Yeah. But nothing like truly negative, I don't think. No. We uh we do have a lot of rounds to cover though. The unanimity report has uh 19 out of 31 rounds. 31, by the way, a lot. Uh unanimous, 61.3%. It felt for a while like things were just not on the same page, but then out of the main event, two main events that went the distance. Uh, we had a lot of agreement, four out of five in each of the rounds, uh, or each of the fights. So uh, kind of got better on the same page at that point, which was good. One of these rounds was a 9-8 split. And Dan, one of these rounds was an 8-7 split. Yes. I was happy. It's like your dreams were, were had come true. It, it was. <clears throat> you just got to watch someone get beaten to a pulp for uh, for a good amount of time. <laughs> that, that's always been your dream. Always. Uh, but yeah, so as far as contested rounds go... We're going to start off with the fight that gave us the 10-7 score. Um, and mind you, it's only from one judge. That's all it ever is. You're never going to find two judges that agree it's a 10-7. Just hasn't happened. I uh, was actually, I was I was hoping for it in this one. Yeah. I was thinking we might get it. I was thinking Tough we might. Stuff. Tough stuff, dude. Uh, but that fight was Jasmine Jazdavicious getting the win over Priscilla Cachuera, <clears> who <throat> is no stranger to getting 10 aided. Uh, I think this, counting the two rounds in this fight that were either a unanimous 10-8 or a 10-7, she's up to, I believe, four rounds now that were unanimous 10-8 or worse in the UFC. Not good. It's kind of ridiculous. She's She just gets beaten up terribly. She's like a 500-ish fighter. She's known for cheating and like messing with, uh, with fighters' uh, upper body coverage. <laughs> and uh yeah i don't really understand what her place in the ufc is right now it's gonna she just kind of serves to get beaten up mm. but uh we are going to talk about both of the first two rounds of this fight um which did end by third round anaconda choke yep uh let's start with round one this was not the one that had a 10-7 in it uh but all three judges Derek cleary kyle costello local judge and sal damato they all gave a 10-8 in this case so we don't have to break down deep what happened in this round, but Dan, is this a 10-7? I want it to be a 7. I mean, you got overwhelming dominance, overwhelming duration, and high damage. You don't have overwhelming damage. and I mean, I would rather see this as a 7 too. 
It's just 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 so one sided. I get it, but if anything, you need to have that overwhelming damage probably be the one that take like takes precedence, right? But there's I feel old... like we've seen we've talked about rounds before that were like in the conversation for seven or they actually got a seven, and the damage was just so high that even without the overwhelming elements, like you kind of get why it's a seven. But by the by the definition and by the way it's taught, it's not exactly what they're looking for. But I can see why you'd give it if it was like overwhelming damage because it's like this person is almost dead. That that's a seven, um, and that makes sense. Without that, I can see it being much harder. So I guess I'm gonna say I like it being a seven, but it wouldn't be a seven as written. Say, as written. As written, it's not a seven. Right. But it should be. But it should. Well, a lot of things should be. They should. They should change a lot of stuff. They should go back to just the way they used to do things. But you know, that's not happening either. So we don't have the, we don't quite have agreement here between you and I that this is a seven. Um, but let's talk about round two because this is an actual contested round with a seven in it. What happened? How did we get here? Well, I mean, Jazzy drops her quick. Cashewares hurt a little bit. Jazzy starts attacking it. You know, some tight darsh chokes, big ground and pound. Uh, this one you do have every single D to the overwhelming degree. Fight could have been stopped multiple times. I mean. This is a 10-7, for sure. Uh, as long as you didn't give it a 9, I got no issue. Well, yeah, no, that, that obviously wasn't the issue. Um, I gave it a 7. I think we have the damage. We have, obviously, the knockdown. We've got multiple submission attempts. We've got blood all over her face. We've got... Cashware is doing nothing. Total beatdown. <laughs> Total beatdown. Total beatdown. So the damage is high. That I would say it's overwhelming. I think we have an, an out, a total overwhelming outclassing here because of the lack of anything happening for Cashware, like the whole round. Um, and again, the whole round. She got knocked down, I think it was like 21 seconds into the round. Yes. So from that point on, it was over. That's it. This is a seven. Yep, seven. This, is, this seems like a textbook seven and one that I hope gets used uh, when they're trying to teach the courses to everybody. The, one of the individuals who happened to be teaching the course we took a couple of years ago was Sal D'Amato, the man who gave the 10-7 in this case. Mm -hmm. He has now given three of the seven 10-7 round scores in the UFC since 2017. Mm -hmm. Two of them were in Canada, actually. Canada the second one There's something about Canada where they just like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a lopsided fight here, eh? <laughs> I can, and I can do that because my grandfather was from Canada. Okay. Yeah, I'm allowed. It's yeah. the way it works. I, I still blame. <laughs> actually, I, no, no, no. Correction. All three of Sal D'Amato's came in Canada. Wow. All right. In, in different provinces. Look at that. Yeah. Blame Canada if you don't like it. Blame Canada. Hope South Park doesn't sue us. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other two judges. Wouldn't that be ironic? One, Cleary and Costello, they gave the eight. Come on, guys. What, what are you waiting for? Yeah, I, got, I mean... At least they got the eight. I mean, if there was a nine, we'd have a way bigger issue. No, I know. You can't, you can't, you can't harp on them, but I just, I'm waiting for that day where we finally get a majority 10-7, where we have gotten to the point where everyone knows what a 10-7 looks like, because it's a hard one to pull. It, it takes a lot to do it, right? Mm. But I feel like when it's warranted, you just got to do it. It's easier for me to say, because I'm not sitting cage side and it's not, I'm not responsible, right? But I don't know. I, I think we've got to we got to start seeing this when it's deserved. Yeah, because that would be something that would that'll be like hold the presses. Let's just do our whole show about that. <laughs> that'll make you happy. Yeah, it would. <laughs> All right, but anyway, that actually because you and I sided with Judge D'Amato over Judge Cleary and Costello, 
that 10-7 score is a couch side override. <laughs> and I do want to I want to point out I didn't have a score uh watching live because I was no. I was just in shock. I was like, this fight's still going. <laughs> All right. Are we gonna get a seven? I just got really excited. And you were texting and, me because I was out of the room. I was gonna yeah. help put my kids down to bed. And uh and I get the text from you. I'm like, oh, I gotta watch this later. So uh, yeah, on rewatch, yeah, I, I definitely seven there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that rewatch was the only way I watched it. But of course I did have the benefit of hindsight of everybody saying, Oh, look at that. We actually had a seven and this might be a seven. But no, I, I think it's totally warranted. I, I really do. Um we don't have many that really deserve it. This totally deserved it. Mm-hmm. There is one more uh round in which the judges disagreed on the degree of dominance in that round or or degree of victory in that round, right? Um, we have an eight nine split, you know, one of those pedestrian boring eight nine splits we always talk about. Um this one coming in the co-main event, the title fight we spoke about earlier, Raquel Pennington getting the win over Myra Bueno Silva. It was a unanimous decision, two 49-46s and a 49-45. Pennington won rounds two through five. But in the fifth round, we do have some disagreement over how much she won by. So let's talk about this. Yeah, Mayra um, is, she's given up at this point. She's just, you know, waiting, running the clock out. Running the clock out on herself, basically. I mean, she's just flopping around on, the, on her back, holding on, and, you know, she gets beat up again there. I mean, there's there's opportunity for her to stand back up, and she's like, no, nah, I'm just going to stay right here. I don't care the title's on the line. Fight's over. I lost. I'm, yeah. do, I'm doing everything to concede to you except actually concede. Uh, and and you know what? Credit to her, right? Because so, there's a point where she actually could try to get out of there, and she doesn't. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, she gets stuck in a head and arm, but it's like on Pennington, and she's never finishing from that position. It's she's sure. she doesn't want to, you know, commit fully to it. It's like she's kind of running the clock out too. Like, okay, uh, I'm gonna put her in this. I'm gonna put her in the hold eighty percent of the way, and then just you know relax from there. Um, make it like she but got Silva could have she just got, quit at that point. She actually could have quit. Yeah, I mean, I think that would have been terrible. Um, probably, but still, she, she even gets a warning from Jaron Vallel, like, "Hey, let's let's do something here." Stuck in a yeah. stuck in a submission. I mean, she did some good ground and pound. Mayra did absolutely nothing. I get the eight, but I'm on a nine here, and I think it's because no, Pennington I, didn't push for it. Yeah, I I can understand what you're saying, but I went the eight here. Mostly because Bueno Silva did just nothing. She didn't earn anything in that round. It'd been a long time since she earned really anything in the fight, more or less. So I I don't feel comfortable saying okay just because uh, Pennington maybe didn't execute that submission like to a T to really get the finish. Which should she have? Yeah, but she had she got to do anything she wanted in that round, and Bueno Silva didn't get to do anything. Exactly. She actually, she did get to do things except. A lot of times she just kind of laid on her back and put her hands behind her head and was just like standing there waiting. She knows the fight is almost over and she's just riding it out at the end. But yeah, that's that, but, there is there is a total outclassing in that respect. And it is for a long duration of the time. The damage is not terribly high. I can understand why it's not definitely an eight, but I'm going to go eight here. I've got two D's. Sure. So I, I sided with uh, the out judge here, Salim Hanif. The local judge, whereas you went with the traveling judges who went up to Canada, Eric Cologne and Sal D'Amato. Yeah. I believe was credited as Sam D'Amato at one point on, uh, or D'Amato, Sam D'Amato on uh, on the broadcast. <laughs> Megan O'Leary just misspoke. She mm-hmm. she was she was correct. She corrected herself. So. <laughs> but uh, that caught my hair. I was like, hold on. 
You've heard that name before. No way. <laughs> anyway, um, that was it for degrees of victory coming off of that event. But we do have just a ton of rounds still to talk about. Starting with the main event being a split decision like we talked about. It was obviously this is a robbery because someone was dissatisfied with the result. So that makes it a robbery. I don't even um, think he was dissatisfied with the result. Who? Sean Strickland. She like he didn't even care. No, I'm talking about the fans online oh, and oh, the, the people. Fans. Oh, my, yeah, Sean Strickland was like, whatever. I lost. I, I don't I don't know if he really cared about being the champ, man. I he didn't seem like it. He's like, it's like whatever. I don't think that was him. something that he valued. I think he just likes to fight. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. But anyway, it was that it was a split decision. Drake is duplessy getting the win over Sean Strickland. 48-47s all around. We are split on round three. This is how we got here. Uh Tell us what happened. Yeah, Duplessis opened up with a head kick. He landed it. Uh, Strickland's volume is definitely down this round. He's still landing that jab, a hook once in a while. Uh, Drickus is landing good body kicks, some good shots to the head. I think some slightly heavier impact on his shots compared to the jab. I mean, even the, the jab is doing a little bit of damage. Uh, it's close. I favor Duplessis. I think Strickland really could have done more in this round. His coach even said, he's like, I don't like this round. You, you, you kind of really took a big step back compared. Yeah, Eric Nixick was not you know, happy. Um, if he let his right hand go, cause he did towards more at the end. If he did that earlier in the round, uh, he probably wins it unanimously and he's still the champ. Um, and we don't have to talk about this round. Um, he kind of took the round off and he still did pretty good. I, he just needed a tad more for me. So I, I'm on Duplessis tonight. Yeah. I mean, that, that job was working, right? It, it really was effective. I think for most of the fight there, I'd say round four was the round where he just didn't look particularly good. Um, that was like a solid Duplessis round, but I thought even round two was close. Uh, obviously, we did get agreement on Duplessis, which is great. You saw four out of five uh, judges agreeing in all but one round, or three out of three out of three out of three judges agreeing in all but one round. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, which is good because this was a competitive fight. You know, you don't always get that in a fight this close, especially a Strickland fight. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, but then you know, that jab was working. It's just that I think Duplessis was just landing a little little harder, right? Mm-hmm. Just just that little extra bit. And, you know, it, some might watch that and say, oh, you know, because he threw these big looping punches. That's why it's like, well, no, but some of them were really landing like the whiffs don't count. But yeah, he's landing them and he is making it harder for Strickland to land his as hard because he could have easily just kind of thrown it down the pipe, throwing the jab down the pipe. He wasn't doing it. Yeah, not enough. So I'm OK with Duplessis getting this round. Uh, for me as well. It's close. It could have gone either way. No problem. But uh, yeah, so I had that way. It had nothing to do, by the way, this entire victory with the takedowns that Duplessis was landing. Those were not doing a whole lot. <laughs> and I need to single out Anthony Lionheart Smith because this man deserves some sort of judgy or some sort of major award for what he said at the end of the night. Now, you and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. I tweeted about this post-fight show, Anthony Smith talking about the fact that the judges cage side are reading impact differently than the folks watching purely on a screen. He said this on TV, on a UFC television. I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. And then moments later, he follows it up with pointing out that again, the takedowns weren't as impactful to the scoring as DDP thought they were. And that they're just a change of position. Oh my God! Where where has he been? He's trying to uh, 
get back in my good graces, it seems. Well, yeah, I mean, but he's already there. I mean, everything he said about Jim Miller, like, he's already there. Yeah, but yeah, so he kind of, he's, he's, he's back. We're, he's we're a tight. made man. We're tight you. again. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you should, you should be there to help out the next time someone tries to break into his house. I could, I could do that. You help him. Yeah. Good family man. And a man who knows his judging, apparently. <laughs> he just ends up on a lot of 10 eights, too. And what we thought were 10 sevens, even. Mm. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, I, I thought that was just incredible. I couldn't believe it. I was, I, my jaw was like basically on the floor uh, as he was talking about that. But yeah, so Drake is Duplessis. Doesn't seem to know why he won, but I think he won. Very appropriate that Dominic Cruz was in the house for that oh talking about God. it. So appropriate. Joe's got He's a, my guy. Joe's got to rethink this no international travel thing. Dude, it was, it was Canada. It can't be that hard to get to Canada. Do you just saying. not want like, to go through customs? North America. Like, just expand to North America. Or just U.S. and Canada, if you want. I mean... Literally, just be U.S. and Canada. It's not hard to go to Canada. You don't even need to... You don't even need to, like... If he's got a passport, I imagine he probably got a passport. I mean, it got so bad at one point that John Anik had to step in and be like, Listen, Dom, if someone gets cut in the first... He didn't say... This is not what exact exact quote, but... Not verbatim. This is what I got from him. He's like, Dom... Just because someone got cut in the first round doesn't mean they automatically lose the third round. Like, the cut doesn't transfer from round to round unless it gets worse or a new cut opens up. Like, I think we need to do, like, a real tracking of the misinformation that the judges – or the, the judges – that the uh, commentators spread week to week because this was crazy. Like, the whole cut thing was absolutely ridiculous. And, I mean, it's getting to the point where it's, it – with him, it's just so galling, too, because – this was this was the greatest bantamweight of all time. I don't like to use goat with him because I don't think that we really truly have like a. I, I know they're kind of like the same thing, but I feel like goat should be really reserved for like that like next level greatness. And I don't know that we've ever had that with bantamweight. Cruz could have had that. Injuries robbed him of that. That is unfortunate. Um, either way, I think he had the most success at bantamweight that we've had ever with. Aljamain certainly coming very close, but his days there are, seem to be done. It's almost, it almost seems this is, but this is someone. I, I just want to finish my thought, Dan, because because this, this is someone who made his bones. He made everything in his career, winning decisions. He was a point fighter. He was like truly a point fighter, and he didn't have any clue apparently why he was winning those decisions. I mean, it, there was a time where takedowns were worth a little bit more, and that was a, a, a key part of it. And obviously, a lot of that was pre-injury post-injury it's a little different but man he just uh, the the analogy the analogy i made online and i'd like to amend it to say this that he is kind of like in the nfl peyton manning if peyton manning didn't know how many points a touchdown was worth <laughs> it's incredible it's it it seems spiteful what do you what do you mean i mean he like he i think he knows and he's just he's it's just har- yeah he's just harping on Oh, damage. I mean, he still doesn't even know the, the context of what well, damage yeah, he, he's definitely doing means. that. He doesn't even know, you know, damage is re- like really to anything. It's effective striking. It's, it's, that, it's that his understanding of it is purely physical, visible damage is the only thing that scores. Yeah, I get, and I don't know if that's a misinterpretation or what, because my understanding is that they did the, you know, the, the judges kind of sort of trained or, or maybe explained is probably a better way. They had like a little information session with the commentators to outline how fights are scored to try and bridge that knowledge gap, right? But it was the same day they were also doing the same thing, it seems, with the uh, the team that does the statistics, tracks the statistics for the UFC. Uh, and a lot of them came away very mad about 
what's a takedown and what is not. And they got really harped on that, apparently, uh, in a way that was probably disproportionate to where they should be focused on knowing how fights are actually scored. So they can tell people. So that not just fans at home know who's going to win, but that fighters can come away with it knowing what they're supposed to do to try and win the next time. They should have something like this. A, a producer, whoever's in their ear, should be like, all right, listen, Dom, stick to strategy and tactics because that's what you're, you're good at. DC, give us the color and the commentary, you know, that makes us laugh and, you know, all about the wrestling and keep it fun. John, you, you, you give us what we need to know, if anything. John, rein them in when they don't listen. That too. Like, that's pretty much what he does. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know, but I imagine the production team does their best because they, my understanding is they put this together, the, uh, the information session. I think they want their commentators to, being able to expertly speak about these kind of things and maybe steer clear of certain topics and focus on other things so that the topics don't get watered bogged down by who won the round and that kind of thing. And you notice, at least I've noticed that it's less than it used to be. There used to be rounds like where they would just like half the round, they would just talk about who won the last round. It's just like, guys, there's, there's action still happening. It's less now. And I, I would credit the production team just, observationally it seems like that's probably a, a part of it but there's only so much you can do these guys they're gonna do what they're gonna do <laughs> but i do like dominic cruz very much when he is not part of the live commentary team love him on the desk great analyst knows the x's and o's but yeah he he just doesn't know how many points a touchdown's worth <laughs> it's, it's crazy yeah um anyway we, we could harp on him all day um uh, and i i am actually gonna bring him up once again, when we talk about this next fight here, uh, which is uh, Ramon Tavares, who got the win over Serhi City. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. By a split decision. 29-28s all around. My friend, this is an alternative decision. Yeah. We yeah. have a situation where City, who lost... Sidey. Sidey? Is it Sidey? Well, because you would say Spidey, but now just pretend there's no P. So it's Sidey. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I sound like... Dominic Cruz mispronouncing the names. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm not paid to do that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we this being an alternative decision, uh, which presciently, Spencer Kite brought up the idea of the alternative decisions. He didn't quite name it, so I made sure to throw that in there. He, he brought that up uh, on social media earlier in the week, and we ended up getting one now. So what that means is we have a fight where the losing fighter won the majority of the round. But he only won them in splits. So we have rounds two and three are each won by Sidey and lost by Tavares. But Tavares still got the split decision victory. So let's start with round two before we move on to round three. What happened in round two? Uh, this was a very competitive round. Both guys were landing big shots early. Sidey is busted open. But as the round goes on, I think Sidey, you know, is taking over. He's really pressuring forward and he's, he's landing a, a lot more. Uh, I think it's a sidey round. He kept landing good shots while Tavares was stuck uh, going backwards the whole time, having to defend, not really landing uh, as effectively, in my opinion. I do think uh, it's very close. Got no issue if he scored it the other way. I was praying it was a unanimous decision for the because of the commentary uh, in okay. Sidey's favor due to the cut, um, but I, I do score it for Sidey 10-9. Was this the fight that actually birthed the whole cut thing? I can't remember yeah. which. Okay, because yeah. it... It, he brought it up so many times during the night. I, mm -hmm. I lost track of what was actually yep. first. Um, 
I was very torn though in this round. I really was because yeah, Zaidi is really badly busted up. He looks like a horror show. Um, and he was knocked down, and it wasn't like a you know, knocked down and he's like totally fine. It was like he was still in a little trouble, right? Mm. At least a little bit briefly, right? Um, but he really is really con- in control of the action in the striking for almost all the round. And I do think he was able to take it back at the end. It's really hard to say. There's two really great arguments either way. I can only imagine that Eric Cologne, who gave this round to Deveris, leaned heavily on the earlier events and said, okay, that was enough and it hadn't quite been passed. Makes sense to me. Totally get it. You're not going to lose that argument. You may not find everyone agree with you, but you're not going to lose that argument. I sided with you. I saw it with Saidi. Um, and judges Eric Cologne and Salim Hanif also saw it our way. So that's that's how we got a Saidi round here. Mm. What about round three? Uh, no, again, another competitive round. Great fight uh, all around. Uh, I just think Saidi is slightly ahead. They both landed some decent shots, but I thought Slidey landed a tad more. They both landed with similar impact. Um, Sidey had that jumping knee that landed. Very close round, but I do like it better for Sidey. Well, here's the thing. You're, you, I heard your breakdown. You did not mention the ring generalship <laughs> <Yeah>. element. <laughs> and that's what Dominic Cruz was speaking about. So that must have been why Sidey should have won this round. His uh, ring generalship. Yeah. That's part of the criteria in 2024. Right? So, yeah, you know what? It's. I forgot to read the criteria like you're supposed to at the top of the show. I, I forgot that, really, so it must be in there. It doesn't score unless it's tied, effective grappling and striking. And then if that's tied, then it has to go to effective aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. And if it's still tied after that, then you can go to the cage control. Which Okay, but which then after that, it must be ring generalship. Well, ring generalship, you know falls under that category it more or less does You're uh, right. I, I'm, I'm being flat, uh, effective flat. tactic for fighting be the ring general got got no issue if you're talking strictly fighting tactics but not yeah absolutely. not as far as scoring it just doesn't do doesn't work that way it just doesn't score and that is the that's the issue i think i think for someone like dom he is very analytical and i think he thinks that all of the strategic elements and like the plotting and that kind of thing are things that ought to be also scored but he he seems to have lost touch with the fact that only effects actually score. Yep. And I think if if that could be made clear and he can be accepting of that, you might find a better educated Dominic Cruz. I don't know. Maybe it's impossible. But I feel like that's that's kind of the pathway. Mm. To get back to this round, I actually, I scored this one for Saidi too, but I, it's not that I couldn't see it going to Varys' way, but I, I felt pretty comfortable giving this one to Saidi. Mm. I thought this was a decent round for him. It was, it was a good round. It's, still, it's close, but I mean... So for me, it's like a little, I don't want to say it's distressing or, or, or like there was some sort of robbery or something like that. We already touched upon in the show. The only robbery, of course, was the very, very close main event. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a proven fact. But I can't help but think that, at least for me, I think the, the better score would have been for Saidi here. Mm-hmm. And if that had happened, Saidi does win. But because Salim Hanif... Uh, went the other way, gave it to Tavares, the win does go to Tavares, even though, once again, Saidi won round two on two or three cards and round three on two or three cards. In this case, round three, uh, Clearing Cologne gave it to him. Okay. So I think it's a little disappointing, but, it, it, you know, it's you can give, you can find two rounds anyway for Tavares because he won round one, a very nice round one for him. So it's not, it, it, there's absolutely no robbery. If you can find two rounds out of three, can't be a robbery. For sure. 
We've got a lot more to go, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) We are moving on now to a split decision. 29-28s all around. We're back to Sean Woodson. We're back to Charles Jordan. And we've got three rounds to break down this one. Everything was off. Everything was out of step. Let's just get into round one, man. Uh, Close for a while. Jordan had some good leg kicks. Woodson some good leg kicks. I think Woodson's landing better upstairs. Feels like Jordan's missing a lot with his punches. Late in the round, Woodson lands some clean shots to the head. And a nice knee as Jordan shoots a single. I think that stamped it for him. I like it for Woodson 10-9. I like Woodson in this one too. I, I think it's close, but I I I definitely feel like I like the score for Woodson a little better here. Yeah. Um. So we agreed with Derek Cleary uh, as the out judge. It was uh, local judges Declan Woods and Patricia Vandermeer, uh, who I was not familiar with Patricia Vandermeer. Apparently, she used to be a fighter. Okay. Back in the day, um, former fighter. It's always nice to see former fighters stepping into the into the chair or sitting into the chair as it were, but we didn't agree with them. We agreed with Derek Cleary here. So what does that mean for judge Cleary? Couch that override. <laughs> See, I made sure it was a step below the override that Sal D'Amato got for the 10 seven. I thought, <laughs> I thought we had to differentiate that. Okay. Yeah. So diff- there's different levels to the 10 seven couch that override. There In fact, is. I even stole the setup from you for that. You one. did. You did. I did. I was, I was a little bit of a jerk, but you know, I leaned into it. I was like, all right, I'll be the villain here. <laughs> what are we around to? Uh, I think Woodson's just out striking Jordan. Jordan didn't have a couple big lands with a spinning elbow and a head kick, but I think Woodson had already built up a decent lead, 10-9 for him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine with me too. I think uh, this, I think, was probably the, do you think this is the closest round, actually? Or is it the next one, you think? Nah, I would go with the third round, probably. Okay, okay. Yeah. This this was really close. I, the whole fight, it really is close. It's uh, the fact that we're split on all three rounds. It's not crazy. It, it does make sense to me, even though I, I still think I feel better about round one, right? Um, so I'm with you. I saw for Woodson, judges Woods, no relation because Woodson and Woods are not the same, and Cleary. It was uh, Judge Vandermeer who was out of step, saw this one for Jordan, but that that is fine. No, mm-hmm. no big deal, right? Yeah, it's all right. What about round three, our final one? Uh, very close round on the feet. I was slightly leading Jordan anyway. Um, I think Woodson kind of took his foot off the gas, was into kind of cruise control mode, allowed Jordan to stay in it. And then the guillotine at the end of the round for Jordan, that kind of solidified it his way for me. And I really thought he was going to get him for a split second. I was going, oh, we got another another comeback here. It wasn't a very long one, but it was. I thought it was good too, yeah. Yeah, so I scored it for Jordan 10-9. I also scored it for Jordan, the 10-9 there. Uh, do you think that the, the guillotine here kind of flips it? Oh, yeah. I don't okay. know about flips it. It it so more solidifies it. Okay. Because uh, I, I, was, I was already yeah, leaning Jordan. I, I was, like, maybe by a hair leaning Jordan, yeah. and then I felt much better about it, yeah. Um, but, again, I, I think you can still reasonably go the other way, depending on it. Especially if you can't tell how good that guillotine is, and it's so brief, too. Like, it, it, it's, it's a hard thing to score mm. in that scenario, so I can understand. Uh, why potentially Judges Vandermeer and Woods did not get on the same page with Judge Cleary there. However, if they did, then the, the right arm would have been raised. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that would have, would have spared everybody, right? Yeah. Um, nonetheless, we have what we have. Charles Jordan is the outscore, although he would, uh, well, no, we, it would still, we would still give the, the fight to Woods in two rounds to, mm-hmm. to one, right? Yep. What does that mean, though, for Judge Cleary being the out judge here? Couch side override. <laughs> Try to go a little bit better for him because because you got two now. Yeah, two in yeah. one fight. You gotta celebrate that. I think it's fair. Um, moving on, we got two more fights, two rounds in each one. Garrett Armfield getting the win over Brad Katona. 
unanimous nod. 29-28's all around. But it's one of those deceptive 29-28's all around because we've got two rounds to talk about. The worst kind. The worst kind. They are the worst kind. It really is terrible. Um... Well, like the, you look at it, three like, oh, rounds. Hey, we don't have anything to talk about. It's like, oh, sorry, you got a lot to do now. Now we got to break down these rounds. Uh, hopefully, you like it better than Dan does. Round one, we're going to start with. What's happening? Uh, very close. Both guys landed good. I think Katona's knee at the end of the round helped push it over for me. Uh, he landed some good leg kicks. Armfield had some good counters. Close, no issues either way. But I went Katona ten nine. Yeah, I I did go the other way too. I went I went with Katona. That was the outscore. Uh, so you and I disagreed. With Armfield, the majority from Eric Cologne and Kyle Costello. What does that mean for Sal D'Amato? Couch that override. Just giving them out tonight. Left and right, and they're really only going to judges D'Amato and uh, and Cleary. They've got two each. <laughs> but it does save on on uh, on stamps and on the mail. So hopefully, you know, fewer packages. Maybe they'll get there mm. where they're supposed to be going. Fingers crossed. Uh, round three. Round three. Good round on on the feet. I think it's pretty even. Uh, I do give slight edge to Katona. I think he's landing a tad bit better. Katona did get it. Uh, he did take a couple elbows to the side of the head against the fence while being uh, while holding the um, arm field there. They're good. Uh, I don't think it's going to swing around for me. Back in his direction, I didn't see him as effective as it didn't really didn't really thwart the the takedown attempt. Um, but decent shots on the ground. Katona landed a couple shots, not too much there. Uh, very close, but I like it for Katona. I was very close to agreeing with you. Super, super, super close, but I did go the other way. Um, basically, I just did, I weighted things a little differently. That's kind of how we got here, right? Yeah. Not much more to say. I'm on the same side as uh, Judge D'Amato here, who, again, his rounds flip, and then we have a totally unanimous, but that's that's just the way it went. He, he split in both of those rounds. So I had the same card he did. You had a card like nobody. On this one, but you did agree in this case with the majority judges Cologne and Costello for this yeah. round. Final fight, my friend Chris Curtis gets the split decision win over Mark Andre Barrio. 230 27s his way, but then a 29 28 going back to Barrio. So we've got two rounds to talk about here rounds two and three. Let's start with round two, okay? <laughs> As you take a shot at Jack Daniels, quite a close round, I think. Uh, Curtis is landing better. He has some nice body head combos. Barrio is landing some good ones too, but it feels like he's kind of, you know, throwing at 50%. And Curtis feels like he's only throwing at like 70%. You know, kind of a light sparring day in the gym. Uh, it'd be nice if one of them fought with a little more urgency to finish, uh, but unfortunately they didn't. Uh, if anyone said uh, Barrio wins the round, I'd say, okay, no issue for me. Uh, I do think DC made a great point um, in the first round regarding Curtis willing to wait a while to get his reads uh, before going offensive. And how MMA, you only get three rounds, unlike in boxing, you know, where you'll see a world-class boxer, they take the first round off, get their reads, and then they have 11 to go to work with. Point fighting in MMA isn't the most criteria-friendly strategy. You get you get a little more leeway like, in the, in a five-round fight. Like, Anderson Silva used to do this, but he was also very capable of ending a fight at any time, too. So you knew it was like, okay, he's he can afford to do that. It's, it's just get in there and start rumbling. Yeah. You don't got that much time. I guess there's probably a certain element of belief in your own power too, right? Maybe coming from uh, Chris Curtis. I think he still thinks of himself as a finisher. It's He's been less so in recent fights, but uh, he certainly does have power. He's shown that before, so I don't know. Yeah, so anyway, it's 10-9 Curtis for me, but he's been mm -hmm. in so many he's been in so many fights where like he claims robbery. It's like, well... It's true. No, and, and, it's, and you're absolutely right there. You would think that, well... 
you would think that something like that would change the mentality, but maybe it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. You fight how you fight, I guess. <laughs> He's not exactly a spring chicken. He's been fighting a long time. Yeah. So I think there's that. But, I, you know, to to kind of wrap up this round, I agreed with you. I gave this round to Curtis. Um, We agreed with the majority judges, Declan Woods and Eric Colon. Derek Cleary was the out judge here. No override for you this time. Uh, you saw He saw it for uh, Barrio. And, uh, well, that was that. Again, competitive round. A lot of strikes thrown and landed. But, yeah, it, it still felt like a sparring session like you described. Yeah. Round three. Any changes here? Credit to Dom because he actually called it a sparring session too. So I'll give him some credit there. Look, he, and, when, it, when we're talking about analysis, he's yeah, there. Yeah. Told you. Not uh, like he doesn't know the stuff. He just doesn't know the, the scoring. Yeah, I know. How many, how many points do you think he thinks a three-pointer is worth? I don't know. <laughs> anyway anyway round three I, this was actually a fun round I, I thought they both finally decided hey let's go let's try to kill each other here um barrio started off really strong but i think curtis closed the gap he lands a big uppercut late that lifts barrio off his feet uh and the rest of the way from there they kind of just clinch each other and let the hands go stuck in a phone booth is i believe the uh, analogy john anik used um i went for curtis i thought he landed a bit harder uh, again, no issue either way, but I, I do wish the other two rounds of this fight were like this round. It did finally heat up. You're right. It, it, it would have been a little bit better if we had this kind of tenor and tone, right? Mm. Um, or urgency, maybe. But, uh, I mean, look, it's it's not like it was a bad fight. It was kind of just like a fight, right? It's like it happened. Um, and by the way, Barrio did suffer cuts uh, in this fight. I, mean, I think it was in round two he got a cut. So that means he was done for both rounds two and three anyway. Exactly, yes. Yeah. He automatically loses. <laughs> Definitely, 100%. Um, but I'm with you. I saw this one for Curtis. Uh, so I ended up with the 3027 card, just like uh, Judges Woods and Cologne. Cleary, again, was the one who split off here. He gave two out of three rounds to Barrio. I, you can get there. It, it, it's totally fair. Um, but I, I don't I don't agree. Mm-hmm. So, and that is that, man. We got through 12 contested rounds plus a 10-7 watch. It's over. It's amazing. I'm tired. They are, you are tired. I know. I know. It's late. Uh, we did a five finishes. Let's wrap up the event here. Five finishes, two TKOs, no straight up KOs. Um, three of these fights ended by sub. It was the first three, correct? Yeah. Sub, sub, sub. Everyone, yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone was trying to take that top spot from Jim Miller for sub of the year. Um, and I appreciated the effort. They didn't. Anybody get there. do it? There was a, there was one of those fights ended in the first round, by the way. Yeah. No. No one got there. No. Of course not. Why would they? Yeah. Um, but my favorite of the night was Jimmy Flick taking advantage of Malcolm Gordon, uh, making a mistake and a little too excited, I'd say, and getting his back taken and choked out. Um, that was a good one. Yeah, that was my favorite. What about mm-hmm. you? Uh, Neil Magny, <laughs> who by, by midway through round three, everyone's basically writing the obituary of his entire like career as a competitive like contender fighter. It was amazing. I saw all this stuff being written about. And then... Two minutes to go in the fight. He's already lost two rounds. Two minutes to go. He's on his back still. Finally gets up. Is able to turn the tide a little bit because of uh, Mala going through a pretty bad guillotine that kind of fell apart pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just goes to town on Malat, who at this point wanted no parts of those punches coming his way. And Magni gets the finish with 15 seconds to go, stealing victory from the jaws of defeat. I don't know. I don't know if where you were at, but I was like, he's already at a 10-8 if this doesn't get stopped. You know, you can start so, thinking about it. I, I think so, but do all the, the do all the judges pull the card there? I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what they're gonna do in that scenario because that's a, it, now that we've got the ten sevens or excuse me, the ten eights are 
you know, more rolled back than they used to be. You know, the question comes down to, hey, does Sal D'Amato think this is an eight? Does Derek Cleary think this is an eight? And does Declan Woods think this is an eight? I don't know. Probably one of them, but I don't know that. If it's not the majority, mm. then it's a loss. If it's the majority, it's a draw. Yeah, that was a good good comeback for Neil Magny. Absolutely. And he needed he needed to do it because you just don't know, right? Especially in the round like in the third round. It's not even like you can it's not like live scoring or open scoring could actually help that. Like it's the last round. Like you're still you're just gonna find out at the end anyway. Yeah. So not much you can do. Um there's no scoreboard for Dom to check. Not that he would have an idea how to read it anyway. I think it would be so bad for him if he had open scoring. For he him? Would, yeah, if if he's on commentary when there's an open scoring because he's he anything he does disagree, he would be so he would just harp on it and forget about the what the upcoming fight's going on about. And he'd be so confused, you know, I think. I don't think you're wrong, but I also think that in the long term, it might get to the point where we can just have people adjust their understandings to, okay, this is what that was. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being optimistic here. Um, but also, very you don't have to speculate anymore. They don't have to sit there wondering about it. They can say, okay, this is the scoring. And then hopefully that UFC production team can say, all right, acknowledge the score. Let's talk about this one now. Mm, yeah hopefully we'll not who knows we will see um probably not because it's not going to come to the ufc <laughs> not anytime soon um but that is that that is it for ufc 297 there are no major events this coming week not to say there's no mma but there's nothing we're going to be focused on for the coming show um let's figure out something for next week right we'll have some We'll have something. That's that's what we like to do. Something. Um, before we do sign off, though, Dan, uh, a somber note uh, that you actually brought to my attention. I'm glad you did. Um, but again, it's it's uh, for unfortunate reasons. We learned this past week uh, of the passing of Judge Dominic Donnie Carolay, uh, who we've mentioned on the show before. Uh, we actually highlighted him in our our um, judging data show recently, uh, where he'd actually put together some pretty good uh, rates. In the recent years, it would have been nice to have seen him get the chance to put more work in and, and bring his um, what I've learned is a very colorful, distinctive, um, charismatic personality to the events of the New York, New Jersey area, especially. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away last Tuesday at age 72. Um, just a couple of things I wanted to highlight from things I've learned from him in the last few days um, in his obituary. It was pointed out again that the fact that he was such a charismatic guy, caring, thoughtful. Um, he loved the color purple, apparently. It was a big on vibrant colors. Uh, I saw somebody uh, on social media mentioning that if you've ever been to a CFFC show in Atlanta City, you've seen him, always seemed to be full of life. And I would never have guessed he was 72. That's from Zach Likes MMA on Twitter. Um, unfortunately, he passed less than two years after his wife. That's per my MMA news. But he was one of the most experienced kickboxing referees in the area, went into the New Jersey Martial Arts Hall of Fame back in 2013 under the Lifetime Contributions Wing. Um, karate, big karateka, seventh dan uh, rank in karate under the guidance of Grandmasters Peter Urban. Any relations there? Not that I'm aware. Okay. And uh, and Tommy Patera. And he was also the founder of Iron Tigers USA Goju Karate. Talked to a couple of judges who've known him over the years. The commonality here is great guy, awesome guy, always in a good mood. Never missed a show, you know, just just a real sweetheart of a guy. Love dressing up for every show like it was the most important event ever. A real OG of the sport and officiating. Never jealous, always helpful. Um, always wanted the best for everyone. 
that's the type of that's the type of thing that we just don't really hear about with judges. We, they're just names, right? Names and scores. But uh, mm-hmm. I want to make sure we highlighted all of that because it seems like he he will be very very well uh, remembered and and very unfortunately missed by those who knew him in this area. Yeah, thoughts and prayers out to his family. Sad news. All of his friends and and yeah yeah thank you know hope everybody's doing well and uh, and we'll think well of him and continue to think so uh, now that he is unfortunately not with us. All right, that does it for this episode. We will be back again on Monday uh, with something. Uh, we'll figure it out during the week exactly what it'll be. Hopefully it'll be fun. We'll, we'll figure out something fun for you guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. Take care, y'all. Thank you.